You are listening to Post Growth Australia podcast, the podcast where better is definitely better than bigger. Salutations, one and all, and sundry, and welcome back to the third episode of PGAP. Now, World Population Day was on July the 11th, and I've been so very impressed by the immense efforts to promote this landmark day by population sustainability advocates from across the globe. For example, Population Matters from the UK released a series of short videos linking population sustainability to each of the UN's sustainable development goals. Australia's very own Dr Jane O'Sullivan discussed food security in one of the videos. World Population Balance from the USA encouraged people to take small family selfies for World Population Day. They also launched the World Overpopulation Day website, which certainly does not pull punches in detailing the environmental consequences of overpopulation. Speaking of World Population Balance, my first interviewee is with the Executive Director and host of Overpopulation Balance podcast, Dave Gardner a fantastic human with years of experience in radio, as is very evident in the interview. Second up, I cross the Atlantic, virtually of course, to speak with Portuguese academic João Abigail. Only barely out of his 20s, João has already published an entire tome entitled The Population Atlas and has spoken on a panel to the UN on population issues. He certainly puts my 20s back to shame. Between these interviews, I play a live performance of Let's Hang Out by proudly child-free comedian, entertainer and thought-provoker Jude Pearl. Jude has been involved in Sustainable Population Australia's Tough Crowd series. Check her out on our YouTube channel, link on the PGAP website. We must have been doing a pretty good job with promoting sustainability as the inevitable backlash happened this week with an article in the BBC. An academic interviewed in the article was concerned for their child having to live in a world with a supposedly declining population. Now, a couple of days later, the BBC released another article saying that global summers will soon get too hot for human habitation. Now, one might think that given the trend of the climate, that having less people around, not more, might be a bit of a relief for the future generations. So it is even more crucial that the good work done by population sustainability advocates reaches a wider audience. So without further ado, welcome again to part B of PGAP's World Population Day special. So I am virtually sitting here with the unstoppable juggernaut, which is Dave Gardner from World Population Balance. (laughs) Now, Dave, I was only barely hyperbolating there. How are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. Honoured to be in your presence because I think we have a mutual admiration society going here. Well, I almost giggled during my interviews with you, so (laughs) you can pay me back now. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. So why population, Dave? Why? Why not consumption or nice things like solar panels? (laughs) Well, it's kind of uh, an all of the above question. Seriously, it really isn't just uh, overpopulation. But uh, at World Population Balance, we've chosen to focus on the population side of the sustainability equation, really just because it's the underdog, because it gets less 
daylight than uh, overconsumption and you know renewable energy and, and all the other parts of the of the equation. It has been brushed under the rug for a couple of decades, and so it needed a champion. And so, at World Population Balance, we champion that. We never try to give anyone the impression that. Uh, that that's the exclusive problem or the exclusive solution to the overshoot problem. But, it, but I don't think, I'm quite confident we cannot get into sustainable balance if we leave addressing population off the agenda. And what wonderful work that you do too. So tell us a little bit more about World Population Balance and the Overpopulation Podcast. Okay, well, I'm glad to have a chance to do that. Uh, you know, I took the reins of world population balance because I was just so impressed with what the organization had done in its first 20 years in existence. It was founded over 25 years ago by Dave Paxson. Over the course of time, there were a couple of things that that organization struck on that I think are really important. One was to stop just talking about population growth because we are vastly overpopulated. The world population today is around 7.8 billion. It's more than twice a sustainable level by any uh, serious scientific inquiry. So stopping population growth isn't going to so isn't going to solve the problem. We need to stop it and quickly reverse it and let population coast back down to a sustainable level. So world population balance decided we're going to use that word overpopulation. And a lot of people today still they're uncomfortable just talking about population, let alone talking about overpopulation. Um, uh, and so we're trying to, uh, you know, the main mission really is for us to make sure everyone knows that we are in overshoot, that everyone knows human population is a part of that, and that uh, there's really a great humanitarian solution. It's voluntary, voluntary, ethical, it's elegant, it's beautiful, and that is just embracing small children. So that was the, the third thing about world population balance that made it easy for me to say, yes, I would like to step in and to Dave Paxson's shoes and make sure the organization continues. And that is to, you know, that uh, we have the solution. We've actually been demonstrating it, and that is uh, embracing smaller and smaller families. We just need to do it, uh, pick up the pace on that, and we need to make sure that uh, the economists out there who are uh, and government uh, policymakers who are hooked on growth, we got to make sure that that very few people listen to their pleas that we get busy uh, conceiving, incubating, and birthing more workers, consumers, and taxpayers. So, uh, so all of our projects are kind of aimed toward that: alerting, uh, educating, inspiring, celebrating small family decisions and uh, we decided I think the kind of the coolest thing I'm most proud of we just launched earlier in 2020 which is the one planet one child billboard campaign we decided you know what let's be bold let's put some messages on billboards if people are still a little bit uncomfortable with the subject let's uh, get people talking you know we wanted to stimulate water cooler conversations maybe get some news media interest who are these bold people and what is it that they're talking about overpopulation and uh but at the same time we wanted to put a message up there that was uh a door opening kind of message not a door slamming message so we think we were pretty brilliant when we after nine months of of tests and focus groups and meetings and 
and re-meetings, we finally came up with what we thought was a really inviting message that would make it easier to get people into this conversation. So what did we do? We just decided we're going to celebrate the small family choice. So we put on these billboards in a couple of major markets in the United States, the, the, a photograph of a family with one child smiling and happy and, and exclaiming, we chose one. Or uh, in, one, in one case, we had a uh, photograph of a family with no children. And they're smiling and happy, having a great time hiking out on a trail. And they're exclaiming, we chose child-free. And that was the extent of the message, other than putting the domain name, the URL, oneplanetonechild.org on the billboard. So we hoped that people would be curious and that they would head to that website to see what all of this was about. And we put together a pretty simple website that really explains this, uh, you know, the situation we're in and uh, overcomes the fears that people have about talking about, let alone addressing overpopulation. Uh, you know, that this is not a, 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 we're not proposing government intervention, government coercion or oppression. Uh, we're not legislating or dictating family size. Uh, that we can solve the problem, no, you know, nobody has to, you know, commit suicide or go off to the gas chamber. We just need to embrace what people are naturally tending to do anyway, which is choosing fewer children in their family. So, Dave, have you ever had anyone come up to you and said, I was, before I met you, I was going to have 12 children, and after meeting you, now I'm only going to have one. You know, have you had that feedback of a... Uh, job well done or or to people not to share <laughs> their fertility habits with you <laughs> you're thinking i was going to say no um but you know there there ha actually have been a few instances where i was uh uh, guest lecturer at a college class or on, on a college campus or something like that and there's been been one or two cases where someone walked up to me and said we we get what you're talking about we appreciate what you're talking about and there, I have six brothers and sisters, but we all got together and we decided uh, that out of all of us, there's just there's there are only going to be two grandchildren in that family. Uh, now, what they didn't, I don't think they said, and it's all because of you or all because of world population balance. But they did. They, I think they were inspired by the you know the messaging that uh, organizations like World Population Balance are, are getting out there. And, and you know, it's not the only one. Uh, there's Sustainable Population Australia, there's uh, Population Matters in the UK, and a very small handful of other organizations that are doing good work in, worldwide to, uh, to spread the news about human overpopulation. So, so anyway, so these, you know, I was kind of concerned that, that the, these seven siblings uh, force, you know, the people, the five who got the short straw to go child-free. And she, she said, no, 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 we were all very uh, willing and happy to have this meeting and make this decision, and no one feels like they're making a big sacrifice. So I thought that was pretty inspiring. There we go. Anecdotal success on the field. So, yeah. Dave, I know I'll probably get you to repeat things you've, that you've had to say like a thousand times over the last few months, but what do you say to people who say, in the West, our populations are declining and it's all a problem in those, you know, other global South countries, uh, therefore... 
um, why you're trying to stop us from having children. Um, and I'm asking for advice here as well because as far as got that for our Stop at Two campaign. And, and we're telling people you can have two, so, you know. <laughs> yep, but you get the same thing. And, yeah, thank you. Actually, you know, it is a question. It's a question we never get enough. I welcome the question because we really need to get the answer out there. And the chances are pretty good that some of the listeners to your podcast are probably scratching their head and wondering about that. I know you're not. I know that you're uh, being a good interviewer and asking that question even though you know the answer. And uh, we need to spread the answer. And the answer is that when, you have a, when you're in a situation of overpopulation, just having uh, gotten the birth rate down under replacement level, which is widely considered to be about 2, 2.1, uh, just because your your fertility rate is 1.8 or something like that doesn't mean that you that it's mission accomplished because we're kind of in a planetary, we're not even kind of, we are in a planetary emergency and we don't have time to wait. We don't have 100 or 200 years really to, to solve the problem. We really need to be making fast headway. And so uh, the, the people in Western Europe, people in North America, people in Australia who have brought their birth rate down significantly, uh, that's great, but they can do more. They can do better. And I know plenty of educated, uh, successful, empowered people in these countries who have six, seven, eight kids. Why? Because no one was talking about human overpopulation. They are not aware of overshoot uh, because it's just been such a taboo subject. So, uh, so we have work to do right here at home. Now, certainly, you know, most people do. A lot of people tend to think, oh, solving overpopulation—that's something to do with India or China because they know there are a lot of people in those countries, or that's something to do in sub-Saharan Africa because they know that the birth rate is still quite high in, in most of those countries. Uh, China and India, they have pretty low birth rates. China is well below replacement level. India is uh, still a little above replacement level, but uh, rapidly approaching that. But they still have a, they still have an issue. You know, they've got China has more people than they can really feed with the resources in their country, and certainly the carbon emissions of that country are uh, are, are an issue. And having fewer people is a, is one of been proven to be one of the best most effective ways to shrink carbon emissions. So there's uh, there's work to be done there. Sub-Saharan Africa, carbon emissions pretty low, uh, the low consumption. Uh, but the people in Sub-Saharan Africa want to have, live better lives. And I think everybody would agree they're entitled to have better lives. But, but if they, uh, you know, if they play our game and we all do the same thing and go down the wrong track of ending up with a global population of 11 billion, which is what the United Nations demographers think is most likely, nobody wins because people in, in the global south, they won't be able to live a decent life because we will destroy the planet. It will have destroyed its ability uh, to meet their needs and uh, the people that are vastly overconsuming in Western Europe and U.S. and, and Australia, it'll, it'll end badly for us too. So we've got to, you know, we have got to desperately reduce our overconsumption in the overdeveloped world, but we have got to really, really seriously reduce our numbers because each child 
born in the overconsuming world is going to have 20 to 60 times the impact of a child born in those even in those high fertility countries in the global south. So it's really a an equal opportunity problem. Everybody in every country around the world, every skin color, every ethnicity, uh, every education level, rich or poor, brown or black or white or or yellow, uh, everybody has a role to play. Nobody needs to be blamed. Uh, that you know, trying to blame somebody doesn't solve the problem. Uh, so we really do, in uh, at World Population Balance, spend a lot of our time trying to kind of look in the mirror and suggest that people, uh, Caucasian people, well-educated people, people in the overdeveloped world, that they took a good hard look in the mirror and say, what, what is our contribution to the problem and what can we do to help solve it? Yes, so it's a problem that everyone shares and drawing national borders around who can have children and who can't is obviously very counterproductive. So thank you for that yeah, yeah. Uh, answer, David. So um, a lot of work ahead of us and World Population Day um, is a signpost that we've got our work cut out for us. So what does World Population Balance have on the horizon for World Population Day and what does the day mean to you? Thanks for checking in on that. Yep, July 11th, every year, World Population Day uh, observed uh, at the uh, inception of that was uh, the United Nations, and the United Nations, I guess, seems to still kind of own that. Everybody looks to the UN for uh, a th what's the theme going to be and what kind of a proclamation are we going to get from the Secretary General on World Population Day. Uh, we think it's, you know, an, any excuse to talk about this issue we want to take advantage of and any opportunity where the the problem the crisis and the solution might be more newsworthy uh, we want to take advantage of so we think world population day is a great opportunity for that uh, however we look at the long history of themes that the united nations has used and the messages that they have issued uh, are all uh, noble uh, good causes uh, good, good messages, good things that we want to do in the world, but they're never really direct. Uh, they kind of tap dance around the the central issue, which is uh, which we kind of wish they would do. We wish that they would say the world is overpopulated. We all know it. <laughs> we all need to be working to solve it. Here are the things that we can do that uh, that everyone can embrace and get behind. We'd love to get that kind of messaging, but you know, because of the subject. Uh, there's just too much uh, political correctness policing going on around it still. So, so the United Nations can't dare do it. Uh, world population balance can. So, uh, and I hope Sustainable Population Australia can and does, and and uh, Population Matters as, as well. I think we're able to be a little bit bolder in our messaging. So, what we're going to do? We're a scrappy little nonprofit. We don't have a lot of resources or a huge staff, but we do have the domain worldpopulationday.org. We have that. Um, the UN doesn't have that. And so we're in the process of putting together, uh, by the time you're listening to this, hopefully it is up, a, a pretty simple worldpopulationday.org website that really advances the kind of messaging that we, uh, that we wish could be spread for far and wide on World Population Day every day. Uh, so I'm not going to give you... Uh, the, the content of it, I've kind of practically given you most of it and the answers to your questions, but I would just encourage your listeners to, to check it out and see. And if uh, you agree with uh, the, 
you know, the just the beautiful solution to a really ugly problem we have right now. If you if you agree that it's beautiful, then share it with everyone you know. So go to the website, everyone. That's a take-home message here. Now, I remember when we last talked on your overpopulation podcast or, or the World Population Balance podcast, um, you observed that uh, Australia had some differences from the USA in terms of the discussion around population. Yeah. Um, so did you want to share what you observe uh, some of the key differences? I know when you said that uh, people listen to us more in Australia, I almost <laughs> fell off our chair because I thought <laughs> that was our major problem. But... You weren't feeling that way, were you? <laughs> you weren't feeling that love. Well, you know, I think, you know, my suspicion is that it is something to do with the, that, it, that, you know, you have this British heritage and my observation is that uh, is similar to to the british i think the british and the australians have a are more direct communicators i really admire you for that i don't know why but in the united states at least it seems like everybody you know had to take a required high school course called how to beat around the bush because that's what we do we just beat around the bush we're never direct uh, and and uh, so I'd really admire that about what's going on in Australia is that uh, you don't tiptoe around the subject nearly as much as we do in the United States. And you say what you mean. And uh, so we're trying to get better at that and use you guys as, as inspiration. I think if we were better at that in the U.S., we'd be farther along. I think, you know, I'm afraid we're bringing up the rear in uh, public conversation around all of the, everything related to economic growth, overshoot, post-growth thinking, uh, consuming less, working less, and procreating less. So have you seen any changes for the better in public perception since when you started a few moons ago, or is it half a dozen of one, half a dozen of the other? Well, I'd be interested in your take on that too, uh, Michael, I, th I really do think that we have made progress. And I really even, I think I see evidence that the work we're doing, the work that we're doing on the Overpopulation Podcast and, and at World Population Balance and Dave Gardner and Growth Busters in some cases, uh, is I, I think we can take credit for some of the vocabulary uh, changes that are taking place and the fact that the issue is getting a lot more news coverage than than it had for the last 20 years, for sure. More news coverage. I'm a little bit dismayed about uh, this Attenborough and Planet of the Humans, these more recent uh, um, really slanderous racism charges that brings me down. But uh, over, if I look back just over like the last three years, I think I think we're making headway. We are uh, you know, we're moving the Overton window. We are making it easier for journalists to write about the subject. We're making it easier for policymakers to uh, to think about it and even, you know, an answer questions uh, about it. And that eventually that'll lead to taking positions on it. Now, your Australian audience is probably going to say, what? That sounds weird. We have that now. You, you know, Australian politicians have been, they haven't been afraid to take positions on this in the United States, they've been afraid to talk about it. Rarely will they talk about it. 
They'll talk about it behind closed doors. And so I, I see that changing a little bit. We had Bernie Sanders actually uh, ask a, answer a question about overpopulation on a town hall on uh, one of the cable news networks, uh, which I, you know, his answer was not terrible, could have been better, I'd like to enlighten him more on it. But he, uh, uh, he was brave enough to answer the question. He took some heat for it, but it didn't, it didn't destroy, you know, that's not the reason why he isn't uh, the candidate, the Democratic candidate, it didn't destroy his campaign. So I think all those are signs that we're headed in the right direction. Just the big question is, are we headed quickly enough? That's always a million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. if people feel enamoured by the work that you do and enamoured they should feel, um, where can they go to find out more about World Population Balance, Growth Busters and the Overpopulation Podcast? You know, I'm starting to get uh, a little bit of schizophrenia here because we have several good websites, but I appreciate the question. Uh, certainly worldpopulationday.org at this time around World Population Day, July 11th. Worldpopulationbalance.org is always a really good resource. Pretty pleased with the content of that website. Oneplanetonechild.org, which is the, the newer website that we put together to kind of as a companion to the billboard campaign, is very strong, and I would recommend people check that out. And then Growthbusters is this other project separate from World Population Balance where I do uh, try to balance the conversation halfway between or, or halfway about overpopulation and solving that and halfway about our obsession with uh, economic growth and trying to get our hands wrapped, wrapped around that. Uh, growthbusters.org is a good place to find that. And then the Growthbusters podcast uh, and the Overpopulation podcast are the two podcasts that I'm working on these days. And anyone who's a podcast listener, just look for those wherever you listen to podcasts. Fantastic. And we'll also put the links up on the website, the Post Growth Australia podcast website, in which our uh, episodes are housed. Thank you so much for the time, Dave. It's uh, I've never been disappointed, and I haven't been disappointed thus far. So thank you so much. It's been oh, a man, pleasure. You're so kind. Charles Manson
joke How weddings were ass blowing smoke And if either of us got engaged We gotta punch the other one in the face Well you told me you're gonna tie the knot I punched you in the face But I guess you forgot about our pact So I congratulated you And got you an ice pack And I watched you walk Welcome back on this Population Day special of the Post-Growth Australia podcast. I am talking to the cerebral and awesomely academic Joao Abigail. Um, I Can you pronounce your name again, <laughs> Joao, uh, so the listeners know who you truly are? Hello, Michael. Glad to be here. So my name is Joao Abigail. I'm from Portugal, so for your listeners, there's no problem in uh, missing the pronunciation of my name. I will not take it uh, to heart. 
Well, uh, if you did, you'd be uh, <laughs> upset many <laughs> times, I think. So you're an academic based in Portugal. And may I ask, um, what's a young person like you doing population? I started my, my story was I was working and uh, before doing my master's, I was working on a camping park. And uh, fortunately, I had a lot of time to read. And uh, it just became uh, a pattern I, I saw in my, in my scientific literature from uh, uh, environmental issues, ecology. And I started seeing that uh, there was a point about population that was uh, authors were mentioning it as something that was not being uh, uh, talked about. Consumption and uh, po population, when you put them side by side, probably achieving some sort of transformation in population is actually much simpler and easier to, to achieve because we are not seeing any, any proof and evidence that people are willing to change their, their behavioral uh, actions on, uh, on consumption. We would have to make a, a really big jump to live in a, and when I say we, I, I, talk, I say about the people in the in the Western world, Australia, Europe, uh, Canada, United States. So those would be the countries that would have to make the biggest transition. And when uh, we we say population, it's uh, the the jump is not that is not that hard. It's uh, reducing the the average family size for for small families and uh, having action uh, access to contraception. So uh, I thought that the uh, population would make a, a more important subject to to study. So tell us a little about the Overpopulation Atlas, because that's the first time I think many of us came across your good work. So how did come that come about? And um, I've nearly finished reading it, so I assume that there was, you know, billions of hours of research into editing it. And what has the reception been? Oh, so the Human Overpopulation Atlas, as you said, it was my, my first attempt to write an academic uh, work. I uh, went about uh, for my master's and I tried to uh, persuade them, the scientific committee of, for allowing me to write uh, a thesis that would be a little bit different than uh, most of the thesis. So this was my first uh, point of contention. I had a lot of tr trouble over there. It, uh, it wasn't well received at the time, but uh, fortunately the, the scientific committee changed their mind when I presented them the final work. How many hours? Okay, I have to be, I have to be honest here. I, I was almost one year and a half just locked inside my room, um, reading and writing and uh, rewriting. So uh, to the point that uh, my family started to be concerned because this was not the average uh, uh, thesis of a master. Um, and uh, they were they were concerned that I was uh, trying for something too too big, and uh, that it would uh, affect my well-being as well. But uh, I'm I was very uh, very glad that I I was able to finish this project, and it uh, it had a, a wonderful reception, not just at the at the university, but uh, worldwide. I, I I don't know exactly how many people um, downloaded um, the file. That I made available, but I know that uh, there have been thousands of visitors on my on my website, so that fills me with with a lot of joy. That's fantastic, and far from being a waste of your time, it uh, seems to have got you places over the uh, intervening years. And one example is uh, COP25 in Madrid. So, yeah. did you want to talk about? 
that experience and anything else you've up, been up to on that issue? Oh, so the, the COP25 was a marvelous experience. Um, when I received the invitation, of course, I think anyone uh, becomes a little nervous of uh, going into a, a big stage uh, at the United Nations like that. And, uh, but I was accompanied by, by wonderful colleagues. I had Karen Schreck with me. Um, uh, I, I was with uh, Dr. Alan Tall. Uh, so it was, it was a wonderful exper uh, experience. And uh, I would gladly do it again. Great, and we'll definitely put a link of the COP25 on the website, um, mm -hmm. along with the podcast as well. Um, I was just curious if you had any thoughts of the difference between Portugal and Australia when it comes to population advocacy. Uh, I, I get the sense that Portugal's population was, until this year, um, slightly decreasing, whereas in Australia, it's rapidly growing, um, but there's also a difference in the conversation where um, in Australia, people are um, talking more about it, even though it is a little bit hidden in the media, but in Portugal, it's kind of seen as a non-issue. Am I um, off the mark here or? No, you are, you, are completely, you are completely correct, Michael. So Portugal has, um, has the fame of, of, uh, yeah, of having a very low uh, uh, birth rate, so one of the lowest in the in the in the world. The last time I checked, it was uh, in the top five lowest. So this this of course gets them the um, the conversation going in a, on another way completely. If you if you just open any any mainstream uh, uh, newspaper, you will see almost every week. Uh, an article about a declining population. Uh, this is a very negative thing. What are we going to do? It's always uh, pictured as a uh, as a bad thing, as a, a catastrophe in the making. And uh, I got my my first and big ex exposure to this this problem in uh, February when I went to um, a conference that was meant to uh, uh, bring together all of the. Uh, expertise in, in Portugal on economics, uh, demography, geography, anything that you connected to population. And they did um, uh, a very well made uh, documentary about uh, the, the future of Portugal on these conditions. And it was just flabbergasting as people were uh, convening there and talking about how negatively uh, this would affect Portugal. And at the time, I, I gave a small, a small interview to, um, to uh, satirical um, uh, podcaster and it was even he was uh, very surprised by my by my attempt to inject uh, some uh, contrarian view into this so I, I just told him that Portugal should be um, proud of the situation they have gotten this, themselves into uh, we have achieved uh, um, a fertility rate lower than the replacement rate without any coercion just access to major access to uh, health uh, and contraception, and uh, this has been uh, this has been a very good thing in Portugal. Uh, women are choosing to be mothers later in life, but of course, with all of these net gains, in the end, if uh, one increases the immigration rate, which is usually the case in uh, uh, richer countries, uh, these these gains get cancelled and. Uh, now, after 10 years of a slow decline in our population, the population in Portugal has increased. 
the negative thing is that this is being seen and uh, published and talked about as a major and only positive thing that we are getting more people in the country that so we can celebrate together. And when I look to Australia, it's um, it's the exact opposite. Every, almost every day I see stuff and uh, uh, articles about how Australia is concerned about its uh, increasing population, how it's uh, uh, affecting uh, urban life, how it, it is connected to major environmental problems that uh, we know that humans establish themselves. They need space, they need water, they need food, they need energy. All of this stuff, it is um, included in this in this package of every new person that is added to a to a country wherever their their background was sounds like some differences but also many many similarities yeah. as um i guess we just find across the world with uh, late stage capitalism and um this type of globalized growth at all cost mm-hmm. so Population advocates like us are used to being called names by misinformed people, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping these interviews can double up as therapy. So <laughs> what has been the most ridiculous accusation being levelled at you? And it's okay, you can tell me you're in a safe place. <laughs> okay, so trigger warning here. Um, during my during my thesis presentation, so this was before I... I I presented the final work on the University of the Human Overpopulation Atlas. One year before I had to uh, present my, my project to the scientific committee, I had almost every professor in the, in the university, the Faculty of Sciences there, because they were interested. They were genuinely interested in the topic of uh, human overpopulation. And at the end, I, I had a very, uh, very troublesome experiment, but, uh, experience that it, it, uh, it made me who I am today. Uh, unfortunately, for the better or the worse, or the worst. But the, the professor called me a lot of names. He started by saying that I was uh, uh, pushing for uh, eugenics and uh, Nazism in, in Portugal. So it was really a, a violent confrontation. He, he, and I, I remember him, him saying, so you're, you're talking here about, um, you're about discussing population size and, uh, and the desired family size that people should have. What will be next? Will you, will you tell me the, the type of, uh, of food that I can eat or not eat? So when I, when I got home that day, I, I started thinking that I'm just, I, I haven't even started. And uh, I've already gotten this type of uh, of uh, feedback. Will this be a, a, a normal in? A, a, will this be normal in the coming years? Fortunately, I never had um, an, a, a something like this happen uh, again. Uh, but I think I've also made myself more uh, resilient and prepared for this type of uh, confrontation that can happen any, at any time. But uh, I don't think there's any grounds to it. So that's the best thing about, uh, about it. No one should be evaluated for the, the mistakes that were done uh, almost 100 years ago. So we, today, the population uh, advocacy uh, movement is not even close and doesn't have any, any, any resemblance to this type of, uh, of movement. And uh, people just want to see a sustainable world that would uh, use this immense potential that is connected to uh, a sustainable population. And I think that's the, the simplest way one can put it to avoid having this kind of confrontation.
Have you seen any changes for the better in public perception since you started and become more known over the years? I, I, I don't think it's uh, because of the fact that I've become more known. It's just uh, that I'm seeing that I've uh, expanded my, my, my view on this. So I'm observing more people and uh, more interactions. Um, and I, I, can, I think I can say that since 2016, 17, when I started writing the Atlas and researching it, more people rising to say, okay, there is something wrong here. Why isn't population being included? So this, all of this is, is, a, is a positive thing. And uh, I was just reading, for example, Limits to Growth, the, the edition from 2004. Uh, and um, it, it filled me with, uh, with uh, hope to see that already in the, the original version of uh, 72, they, they were so prescient on this. They included population almost in every turn they could. And this was already talked about uh, almost obsessively in, in their book in 72, and it hasn't changed in 2004. So when I say that uh, there are reasons for hope, one has to know our past. So one has to know the people that worked before us. And all of those people were very energetic in trying to inform people about the, the problems connected to population and any any project that we have or any hope that we have to have a sustainable, uh, sustainable living on this planet, we cannot do it without touching and on population and uh, trying to work this and cease population growth and eventually revert it to a uh, much more sustainable size. Great, which brings us to World Population Day. So we're bringing the past and what we've learned into the present. So why is World Population Day on July the 11th such an important day to you? So for me, I think this is, um, I'm not so much a, a, an activist on population, so I don't go much into the streets. I prefer to do my work on uh, on research. I'm more the, the type of, of uh, person to write and read and uh, communicate with, with people uh, on other platforms. But uh, population Day is still very important to me because of one uh, particular um, fact that I don't know if I share it with others, but it's, it's the day that... Uh, uh, population Reference Bureau releases their annual uh, statistics for population. So I always get very excited about this. Exactly. And just to wrap it up, if people want to find out more about you, where's uh, a couple of places they could go to find out more? Oh, so I'm very active on social media. Uh, usually I'm on uh, Facebook and I, I try to engage with, uh, with audiences there. But for my work, you can go to www.overpopulationatlas.com. I'm now working on my PhD, of course, so until the end of uh, July, I'm uh, working on uh, writing my assignments. Fortunately, I will have a lot of assignments dedicated to population issues this semester, and I will publish them all on my, on my blog in the, in the coming months. So anyone is free to, to join, read, uh, share, and uh, just try to... Let's try to share this these information with, uh, with the world because uh, that's all we've got. All we've got in the end is conversation and it's, it's dialogue and uh, uh, research and uh, evidence-based research helps us uh, get the point across. And uh, I've been working on this, so I hope it's helpful for anyone that tries to read it and uh, share it. So, Joao, thank you so much for joining with us today and keeping us abreast of uh, 
where you're at. Um, I'd love to wish you a happy World Population Day. It seems a little bit in bad taste to do so, but ne <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> happy World Population Day. Unhappy one, the two. The statistics will be exciting. So <laughs> yeah, there's a silver lining. <laughs> Thank, thank you for having me, Michael, and uh, uh, a good World Population Day to you as well. You are listening to Post Growth Australia Podcasts, and thanks for sticking around as we bask in the afterglow of World Population Day 2020. Big thanks again to Dave Gardner from World Population Balance for not only your tireless dedication to the cause, but also your smooth radio interview skills. I'm jealous. Thanks, Joao Abigail. I'm forever grateful that it is you who can get excited about the statistics each World Population Day, so I don't have to. We also heard the live performance of Let's Hang Out by Jude Pearl. This is a comedy song, so I highly recommend listening to it again for the observational laughs, especially the twists in the chorus. So I've invited listener feedback to let me know what is something in your life which is better by virtue of not being bigger. So I'd like to share a response I got from Courtney in Western Australia. Courtney told me that she is grateful that her bedroom and her back garden are small and compact as this means it is much easier to maintain and she doesn't need to waste her time cleaning and filling the space. Amen to that Courtney. I'm sure many people in the voluntary simplicity movement would wholeheartedly agree with you there. I want to keep hearing your ideas so send them through to me to media at population.org.au. We are three episodes into PGAP and I'm very happy to share that the feedback has been amazing and humbling. The podcast has already got a five-star review on Apple Podcasts where it is described at as rigorous but enjoyable. Thank you for that, reviewer. Um, moving forward, we are going to be slightly less rigorous, aiming for shorter half-hour episodes every three or so weeks. In the next episode, I'm very excited to be interviewing Michelle Maloney from the New Economy Network Australia. I find her an utter inspiration, and I'm sure you will too. So until then, take care during these crazy but oh-so-interesting times. Adios.